Welcome to Fandom and Wellness, a podcast about the complex relationship between fandom and mental health. Disclaimer, we are not psychiatrists or psychologists. We are just fangirls with a vested interest in mental health. This is Jenny, and I have two very special guests joining me today, Ashley Poston and C.B. Lee. Woo! Um, so Ashley is the author of the Once Upon a Con series and the Heart of Iron series. Yes. And CB Lee, I don't know why I have CB, <laughs> just CB Lee there. Uh, Carrie, um, is the author of, of the Sidekick Squad series and also Seven Tears of High Tide. So let's start with Ashley. Can you just mm-hmm. tell the listeners about the Once Upon a, uh, Once Upon a Con series? Of course, sure. So the Once Upon a Con series um, is just a bunch of, not a bunch of fairy tales, but it tackles one fairy tale at a time, and uh, I update them into a con setting. So the first one is Geekarella, which is basically Cinderella at a sci-fi convention. And the second mm-hmm. one is called Princess and the Fangirl, and it's a prince and the pauper retelling, but it's gender-bent, so there are two like fierce girls, and it's fantastic. And the third one coming out in... T- Summer of 2020. Oh my god, it's what? almost 2020. Oh. <laughs> it's not a real year. Oh my god. Uh, it's called Bookish and the Beast. And wow, it's a beauty and the beast are telling. Who knew? No. <laughs> Uh, that's but, awesome. Yeah, it's it's about like fangirling and um and like the conversations we have in fandom, and it's a lot of fun. And a lot of the drama is directly inspired from Star Wars. I'm not even going to joke anymore. I mean, he literally lost the script like in Princess and the Fangirl. It's fine. I'm fine with this. I'm just <laughs> writing like reality now. Well, yeah, your book, you wrote it first, and then it happened. Was it John Boyega? Yeah, it was John Boyega who, like, yeah, yeah, lost yeah. his script. He really lost his script? He lost his yes. script. Yes. Like, was it in a trash can? Like It was under his mattress at his hotel, oh, so, and his so, house cleaner found it. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it ended up on eBay. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ha, ha, ha. Yep. Um, that's awesome. I personally really like retellings of fairy tales because i feel like they're so they're so outdated right and usually they're not as feminist as i w- would like yeah like cinderella like she has to rely on prince charming to save her in the original tale but mm-hmm. like i really hate that part of cinderella so i updated it because my favorite movie is ever after with drew barrymore yes, um, love it. Just, just so good uh so i was like you know what she's gonna save herself and like the prince charming yes. is gonna be this like really like soft hufflepuff boy and it's just gonna be real fun and she's gonna end up saving him instead so that's what ended up happening. Spoiler, I guess. Oh, who cares? It's been out for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows the story of Cinderella. It's not really a spoiler. Right. That's cute, though. And uh, you also have the Heart of Iron series. Yes. Um, can you tell us about that, too? Sure. Amazing! Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. It's, uh, how how much can we curse on this show? As much as you like. All right. It's my fucky robot book. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it really oh is god. It, it's my fucky uh, robot and fucky alien book i mean that's just like that's it <laughs> that's that's the that's the tea um it's it's actually an anastasia oh well, it's t- it's an anastasia retelling in parentheses it's not really but that's how uh we marketed it um because mm-hmm. like 
if you look into the history of Anastasia, it's like not really a fairy tale anyway, but like No. There's a there's a lot of stuff to unpack with the Romanovs, and I don't do any of that because it's just it's it's the lost princess trope, but everyone okay. knows the like the best one is Anastasia. Not the best one, but the most uh the most renowned one is Anastasia. Right. So I always say it's an Anastasia retelling, but it's really just a take on the lost princess trope. Right. Um, but yeah, it's about a girl named Anna who's a part of this uh pirate crew and the ship's called the Dossier and it's captained by this like fierce captain called Captain Siege, and she has to go and save her best friend who happens who happens to be a robot from like this great like technological darkness that's uh, mm. sweeping through the uh, solar system. So badass. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Um, and Carrie, can you tell us about the Sidekick Squad series? It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah um, it's a quartet. And uh, I'm just saying that because there are three that exist currently. And people may not know that there's a fourth one, which will complete the quartet. Yeah, but it's about a group of queer teens that take on a corrupt government superhero agency. Um, they're Sorry. All- <laughs> You're playing with something and it's oh, sorry, like, it going the to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have to like fiddle with my hands. Um, no, I get it. Yeah, I'm buying you a fidget spinner for Christmas. Thank you. You should get you should get one of those spinner rings that you can spin on your on your ring finger. Oh, I have one of those. They work so well. There's one actually. I met someone at DragonCon who had like um like it made different noises. Like it just like. You just go like, boop, boop, boop. It was like bubble wrap, but Ooh. in a contained like thing that it was like infinite bubble wrap. Like you would poke oh, it wow. one way and then you could poke it back the other way. And there are two of them. So you could just go like, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. Like I was like playing it with it for like 10 minutes and they're like, cool. So you see it like that. So those, so those are uh, recommendations for fidgeters. <laughs> oh, wait, yes, my books. Okay, um, yeah, it's it's about a group of queer teens that take on a corrupt government superhero agency. Um, the first book starts off with Jess, whose parents are superheroes, and she doesn't think she has any superpowers. Um, so she's like, "Well, I guess I have to get a job at some point. I don't really know." what that entails but i guess internships are a good place to start um mm-hmm. so she ends up working at this tech company also gets to work with her crush from school abby and then they uncover this huge conspiracy and then it kind of goes from there nice and then the the books after that explore the other friends in the friend group, yeah right? so the core four there's like um each book has a different perspective of a different person and then it moves forward in chronology. Um Not Your Villain, which is Bells's book, has a little bit of overlap with with book one just because a lot of stuff was happening for mm-hmm. him during that time. But you don't see because there's like a huge I mean, I guess okay, yeah. But I mean you know that the second book is his, so like unless there's like a reveal. I mean I'm trying to hmm Okay, he's <laughs> He's doing his own thing. Um, okay, just read it. Just read it. Don't spoil us, God. <laughs> it's great. Just read it. Um, yeah, I love the like method of having two different stories from two different... I mean, the same story, basically, from two different perspectives. That's such a fanfiction trope. I love it. It's great. Oh, gosh, it really is, isn't it, though? Right? You yeah, it's a thing I've read a lot. Diagram that's like... Um, canon and canon's like one straight line and then au which is like kind of parallel and then like drabbles or like like scenes that are elaborate where they kind of point us like a line outside of canon right um there's like time travel which is less just like 
Wibbly circle. Wibbly wobbly circle. Yes. Um, yes. There's like Ken and Divergent. And then they wrote like crack, which is just like someone throwing paint <laughs> onto the timeline. <laughs> That's so true, um, though. Oh my god, it's great. So good. Um, yeah, so I know you guys because we've uh, for my company we've made box book boxes for your books, um, which are which I, I, I me and Rose really enjoy doing. Um, and so um, I know Carrie actually from <laughs> from uh, Team Wolf fan fiction. Um, <laughs> that's how I first knew you. Um, and then I met Ashley through, uh, Quirk, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we, we, we've met up at Dragon Con, I think for the past two years. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That I, sounds well, about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've only been going for two years. So, <laughs> um, but I want to kind of like follow your journey from when, when you first started writing, whether that's four years old or whatever, to where you are now. Let's let's just let's start with Ashley again. Me, do, yeah, let's do it. Ah, okay. Uh, when when did you like feel like you were wanted to do wanted to be a writer, oh. or at least when did you find out you loved writing? Oh boy. Um, was it so, when you were young? So I was in sixth grade. Okay, that's pretty young. Yeah. Um, and I stumbled upon this uh, this forum during Web 1.0 because I am an oldie uh and um and in the forum there were these like weird stories and i was like why are they writing about characters from this show that i really like and so i i figured out it was fanfic and so right. i started writing fanfic of my favorite show and my favorite show at the time was a uh, it was Yu-Gi-Oh. Nice. <laughs> So, love it. So um so I started writing Yu-Gi-Oh fanfic when I was in 6th grade and like at that point I still wanted to be marine biologist really badly because mm-hmm. I loved dolphins. I wanted to swim with the whales and I loved Free Willy as a kid and then in 7th and 8th grade I realized just how bad I was at science and math. Oh, <laughs> but but I, I was pretty good at writing fanfic apparently. Um so I tried to get into um uh, the governor's school in my state and i submitted some of my like original stories and they like accepted the most gifted students of, like for a summer internship sort of thing um mm-hmm. and they like denied me for two years straight and i was like i'm going to show you guys and so um yeah i just like did you and did, wait did you get in eventually i or? never got i never oh, got in but, no, okay. no. but um my senior year of high school because i i started writing when i was in sixth grade and i never really stopped right so yeah my senior year of high school i wrote a play a one-act play that ended up wow. going to the state championships and it was Ooh. up against the governor's school play and mine won yes, <laughs> yes! So I was like, vindication, yes. <laughs> and yes. like, amazing. I my, love it. Oh, it was like it won for like best direction and, and like best actor, and I was like, yes, you know, it was. It Did was you ever so like? Good. This is what you could have had. Actually, yeah, I was like, this is what you could have had, guys, but no, <laughs> you had to, you had to reject me all those years ago. It's fine. Um, I don't, I'm not petty. I don't, I don't hold grudges at all. Uh, but yeah, no, like I started in sixth grade and I just never stopped. And I think it was also around that time that I just like really loved books and I loved like reading. And like I started back when YA was just beginning and mm-hmm. like 
I always knew I wanted to write for like teens at least, but I also like now that I'm like further on in my writing career, I also want to like write other genres too and other for and for sure. other like age ranges and yeah, it's a journey. It never really ends. How about you, Carrie? Yeah, I feel like I've been writing for forever. I, in um, middle school, I had a journal where I'd write like these elaborate like I started this like epic fantasy. I wrote like mm. f- four chapters of it in like longhand. Um, <gasps> and then I found it recently and was like, huh, maybe I should finish this. Um, That's awesome. But um, but I kind of forgot about it. I, I didn't write a lot in high school. Um, I read a lot. And then I kind of like got swept up in like school stuff and like, oh, you sure. got to be serious and like do all these things to prepare for college and then life stuff. And like, sure, I started on this path to become a scientist. Um, and then I was like, super unhappy. Um, I worked mm-hmm. for a lot of, I quit grad school, was like, gonna get a doctorate and was just like, well, actually, no. Um, <laughs> so and then between then, I worked a lot of like odd jobs, like I worked for, um, I was a ranger for a little while at a state park. Okay. Um, All right. I worked for like Outward Bound and led a lot of backpacking trips and adventure type stuff. I worked at a rock gym and oh wait, that was before grad school. Oh wait, and then after grad school, um, I was back in LA and you know did a bunch more like freelance stuff. Got into like photography and mm-hmm. um, and then during that time, kind of like 2012, 2013, 2014 era, I ha- was like super depressed and I had a lot of like time and I consumed a lot of shows including like supernatural and teen wolf and like all of these shows that were kind of had a lot like blossoming fandoms right and so um i started to write well i had written like harry potter fic like way back in the day and did a lot of like rp and um mostly red fic but yeah. i think i have like maybe like two or three one shots and then i try oh i wrote artist foul fanfic <gasps> what i did yeah. too what yes no, oh we God. had this conversation <laughs> at dinner remember oh, when oh, we, we both we, we had this like relationship like wait did you write that one with uh so we 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 oh may my have god! Read each other's Artemis Fowl fanfic. I think we. That's I, amazing. I think we did actually, because I do remember going back and like looking that up. So. <laughs> yeah, the old days of fanfiction.net. Oh and, man. Uh, yeah, like I talked to my characters and the author's notes. It was it was a time. Yeah, it was. Oh man, <laughs> the early aughts were a trip. Yeah, the early aughts, and then 2013. I was like, oh yeah, I I could I would I don't know I I was like in this space where I was looking for more stuff to like use my time with and that I liked mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. Um, so I started writing fan fiction again and it was really in that community where like people were like reading it and like, it was like a very fast moving, the show comes out every week. I'm updating every week. I'm writing more fic to the point when like, there was one day I looked at my word count and it was like, Oh, that's like three novels. Like what's going mm-hmm. on? Like I've yeah. always wanted to write a novel and I never thought I could, but like that's like three hundred thousand words. Like like that's that's three novels. Yeah, yeah, um, or more. You know. And then I saw um, so Interlude Press started in twenty fourteen, and so they're a queer like they publish like queer fiction, and mm-hmm. they started with like their mission was just to like publish queer fic fiction, and they started in romance, um, and then they launched their YA imprint, and we're doing like um, an open call for for. Um, 
short stories for this anthology mm-hmm. called Summer Love. And I was like, oh, like I could I could write a short story. Let's let's see if I can write that. Like I had nothing to lose. So I was right. I wrote a short story. Um, I love seals, as you may have guessed. So I wrote about a selkie mm-hmm. and the editors loved it. They they loved a manuscript and then were going to offer for me to be in this anthology. And then the first time I met with my editor in person, and not in person, like over the phone, but like right. she was like, oh, so I had some questions because the limits of the short story, not contest, the call for submission was it had to be 15,000 words or less. Right. And so she was like, it felt like there's so much more here. Like, um, what would you have done if you didn't have that limit? And I was like, oh, actually, let me let me tell you. Like, <laughs> um, I cut off all these subplots and I had all these ideas. And she's like, oh, cool. Um, that actually sounds really amazing. Like, would you be interested in developing it as a novel? So I pulled out of the anthology and then that became my first book, which is Seven Tears at High Tide. Um, so that's just like a sweet, like, it's a, about a bisexual boy who's like brokenhearted and he makes a wish, um, not realizing that his wish, like, ca- is the catalyst for this huge magic. And, um, he meets this sulky boy and then they fall in love and there's, you know, there's, adventure and romance and, um yeah but um but yeah that was my first book and um after writing one book I kind of realized like it was the same thing where I like you know looking at how many words I'd written and we're like oh like what I thought was this huge terrifying un- undoable thing I could actually do so right. when I got that idea for the sidekick squad which initially was like untitled superhero trilogy Okay. <laughs> so um, I pitched that to my editor and then they loved it and they were like, okay, so I wrote the first book and then um, when I got to the end of the first or close to the end of writing the first book, I was like, oh, okay, this is not going to be one book. Oh, forgot a part of the story. Originally it was one book. Uh-huh. Um, then I had to re-sign the contract for Untitled Superhero Trilogy and then redo it again when it was a quartet. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting process because it was not like I only got an agent in uh, 2018. So mm. it's very recent. So it was in it. I recognize I'm very lucky to have had like the journey that I've had because it's not a very like normal journey. I feel like it was a combination of a lot of things of luck of of like my book, uh, Not Your Sidekick came out in 2016. And it was like, I went to Dragon Con for the first time and like got to hold my book for the first time and met all these amazing people. I met Cindy Pond at like a romance, romantic times conference. I love Cindy. Um, yeah. Cindy's so amazing. And she really like, and she was like, Oh, hey, do you want to do this article on diversity YA, which she runs with Melinda Lowe? And then like, and then it was like when the cover was, was revealed on Tumblr, was <laughs> revealed on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like not being home or something and it was revealed like on a Friday and then I looked at it on a Sunday and it had gotten like something like 5,000 notes and I was just like floored. Like I was like, how did this happen? Like what's happening here? Why are like, who are all these people <laughs> that, that want to read my, my book about like a bisexual Chinese Vietnamese American girl with superpowers. But like, I think that was like, enough like the the cover the synopsis people are like oh yeah that sounds cool i want to read it where is yeah. it um it's a pretty amazing cover i have to say it is spectacular uh Choi messer who does the covers she's incredible and she totally brought like the concept to life and was like very like you can see that she's a person of color you can see like it's like about fun and um it's very dynamic yeah i, I was really lucky and i'm so grateful that like 
Um, like a lot of like queer readers were really excited. A lot of Asian American readers were really excited. And, you know, like 2016 was kind of like the blossoming growth of like, we need diverse books, which started in 2015, I think. Fourteen. so. I think I might have been 14. 14, 15. But like that kind of like those kind of conversations were starting on like social media and in, in the YA community and the book book mm-hmm. community and people at the time. And I think more so like it's interesting to see how far we've come in just the past few years where like people were like, oh, yeah, we should be inclusive. Like that's that's old hat. Why are we even talking about this? <laughs> like I remember just like like even in the early days of writing, like, oh, if I write about girls, will people want to read about them? You know, like mm-hmm. um, if I write a romance between two girls, is it as marketable? Because there would generally be people in like Facebook groups and like publishing stuff that would be like, oh, yeah, like girls, like no one will read an FF romance um, because it doesn't sell. Yeah, it doesn't sell. Yeah. And that was kind of this this thing that this that was floating around for the longest time. But I feel like it's like a self-fulfilling processy because then mm-hmm. like people say this and then writers don't write it and then right. writers don't have anything to read. So, but I feel like it's definitely been challenged. There's so many amazing like best-selling books that are like romances with girls and like there's so many amazing like queer girl books mm-hmm. just in like the past few years. Like I feel like it's exploded. Like Melinda Lowe has a re- this really amazing article. Um because Ash came out like 10 years ago. Oh my God, it's been 10 years already. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Holy on cow. the 10th anniversary of Ash, she wrote this article. That, and she does a lot of these really cool statistics where like she counts like how many like YA books with queer characters there are. And right. just like, and so like when Melinda was publishing and then like now. And so it's just cool to see how mm-hmm. how much how much more we have which is amazing and like how many different genres we have and we can talk about all these different things about like oh now I went like I used to be like oh where are my gays in space and now you can read a stack of books with gays in now space. there's so many gays in space excellent amazing. excellent oh it's, it's so good I just oh my god and just this year there are so many good gays in space yes yes and so um, talking more about like become being a writer, uh, is are there have there been instances of like rejection that you have faced? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I asked. Since this is an audio format, I will describe the anguished look on Ash's face right now. But yeah. we're, I'm also making a like, oh my gosh, like. Uh, oh. So uh, let me reward that. <laughs> Tell me all, about all the rejection that you have ever faced. Every rejection. No. Um. <laughs> when I was in the fifth grade, I wrote a Valentine. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> tell me who it was. I will go go and knock on their door and tell them they were wrong. <laughs> um. But okay. So. <laughs> process is you write a book you query it you try and get an agent and then you try to submit it to publishers uh and there's a lot of rejection there and so for the first half of that journey for me um i got 64 rejections like (laughs) 64 rejections it's fine i'm fine it's it's totally fine and (laughs) oh my god i remember like I tacked them all to one of my walls in my bedroom because I wanted uh-huh. to keep track of how many there were. And I wanted to wake up every day looking at those rejections going, 
I can do this. And, uh, yeah, um, I didn't get a 65th because uh, Holly Root was like, yo, I want you. And so I was like, <laughs> good, because I'm, I'm slowly <laughs> dying here. <laughs> um, so, but how do, you, how do you stay motivated when you get that 5th, 6th, 7th, like, there's... You know, how do you how do you keep going? Like, so you have to I know this is like what I have to do. I'm not sure if like Carrie is similar, but I have to like separate my writing from my career in the business Mm -hmm. Um, because like because I've written fanfic for so long, I feel it's easier for me because I can write for joy without like thinking that it's part of my career. Um, And I think that's very important, especially when you're like on submission and you're getting rejections from editors and then they're like, you know, oh, we already have something like this or this isn't really my type or and you go on for months and months and months on submission and you're like why is anyone buying this thing and so while like that's going on in your professional life um like you have to keep on writing the next thing because if you don't you'll just stagnate and you'll just right. you you won't go anywhere and so like you have to find a way to like pry those two things apart and not have them like be married to each other they have to they have to like work in individually of each other if that makes any sense yeah like you have to keep writing regardless of whether your professional life stands still Mm -hmm. and like right and 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 you have to genuinely like to write to be able to be a writer um you don't have to like writing all the time because god knows (laughs) i definitely do not but um but like for like for most of the time you have to you have to like writing it to like some extent and you have to you have to write because you like to write, not because you like the paycheck or you like, right. you know, getting that sweet six-figure deal that most people actually don't get. Um, right. So, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's, a, it, it's a hard career, but friends yeah. make it a lot easier, too. Like Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you say that's, like, you, like, you are always... <laughs> They're doing hearts uh, with their hands. I heart you, Carrie. You're one of my favorite people in the world. You're one of my favorite people. No, you. I actually gotta go, so you guys... Uh, Um, You, Jenny. You're amazing. You're valid. And you know what's interesting is that I remember you carry as a pretty prolific author in the Teen Wolf fandom. Did we talk about this? I feel like we haven't had this conversation. I probably not. Because this is new to me. (laughs) No. Also, like, did you write Teen Wolf on fanfic.net? No. No? It didn't exist then. Teen Wolf started in, like, 2013, I think. So, 2011. Okay, I didn't watch it until 2013. Okay, okay. Where did you write your... Where did you um, write your fic on? I had an account on fanfic.net, and then I had a, a, a Geocities page, and... Were you guys on LiveJournal at all? Yeah, A little while, yeah. I was... Oh, that was the time when I was watching writing, like, Naruto fanfiction. <gasps> oh my god, I'm Amazing. going to, like, n- Naruto right now, Naruto whatever. <laughs> and listen, like... I am trying so hard not to read the fic because I will be spoiled by it because I don't know what happens after Itachi dies and that's where I am right now. <laughs> so, oh, yes, because you just started Naruto. I just started. 
That's so funny. So I, like, recently, I don't know what happens. That's okay. And somehow I have not been spoiled. I'm not There's sure how that happened. That's magical. That it's because it's been on. It's like really. It's been long. It just finished. No, no one even thinks about spoiling it. Look at Jen Naruto. So yeah, Boruto. You know that he has a kid. Oh my god. <laughs> And, and 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 like now there's like a time travel arc in Boruto that like goes back into the Naruto arc. What? <laughs> just, what? Yeah. That's wild. It's like metaing real hard. That's that's so much. What the um, fuck? <laughs> um, wait. Was the, oh wait. Yeah, you oh, were talking yes. about Team Wolf. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, <laughs> um, and I I remember you like producing like regularly work, which oh, yeah. I always find very difficult was, to do personally that was a time it's it's <laughs> i i had no life i oh <laughs> well like i i'm not I, it was i still write fan fiction but like it was it was from a time where i i was like um pouring all of this like energy into something where mm-hmm. i i would just write all the time um and it was good it was like what i what i needed to do for myself at that time and I was right. like super depressed and I kind of like wrote my way out of that particular arc of my life um, mm-hmm. through like fan fiction and like the community and just um, I did a lot of prompts and I, I found right. a lot of like joy in like like people would be like, oh, I'm having a really bad day or like this happened or I'm really depressed or like um, I have this really terrible like situation that I can't leave. But like this thing brings me joy. Can you? can you help me? And I found, um, I could do that. And like, I, I found like, it was really like, like not only because like, I liked the characters and I liked creating stories, but I really liked, like, it felt really good to create something that was very specific to like this one person's request, whether it's like, right. Oh, I would like a coffee shop where in space or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> like, um, and I'm like, okay, cool. Coffee shop in space. Okay. And then I could like think of a situation and immediately like apply those characters. And like, you know, we talked a little bit about four, like where I think like fic writers have this, like you learn so much mm-hmm. and you have like a specific set of skills that prepare you for like, just as a writer in general in life. Because mm-hmm. you know how to, like, what shapes a character. You know them in and out. Where if you're putting them in an AU, you know what makes that character that character. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you change right. one specific thing or you send them to Hogwarts or, like, you know, beyond, like, what's their house. But, like, you can know, like, knowing how to write an AU of something, I think, is such an amazing skill. And there are so many other things, like, learning how to execute a trope. How do you subvert a trope? How do you... You know, there's so many cool skills that you learn from writing fan fiction. How do you write a mermaid AU? <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a mermaid AU kick right now. Just just saying. I have, like, read so many Voltron mermaid AUs. It's not even funny. Well, talking about that, like, period of time in, like, basically fan fiction helping you through your mental health. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's what we're here to talk yeah, about. Hey. Um, <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> like... Um, I've talked on a previous episode about fan fiction and how it was a really good way to escape life that f- felt shitty at the time. Um, and I was talking more about reading fan fiction, but certainly writing fan fiction also fills that void, especially because you write exactly what you want to read. And that's the good, that's a great thing about being a writer. 
right? Because you know there's a void, there's something you want to read, but it's not out there, so you write it yourself. Yeah, or something you didn't know you wanted until it existed, or you made it, <laughs> or like, you yeah. know, there's there's a lot of stuff that I'm like proud of that like I just thought of on the fly, mm-hmm. um, but it came specifically from like prompts or like people, right. and it or like oh, this random thing that happened when. Um, kind of like the magic of like someone creating this art and then someone adding a headcanon and then jumping off on that and creating a whole fic or like people responding to things and just these chains of like, oh, I drew this art. I wrote fic for your art. I drew art for that fic. And like... It makes you feel like so much less lonely, especially when you're in like, Mm -hmm. they're like the pit of depression and you Mm -hmm. can't go outside and you just, Mm -hmm. you feel less than a person. It's just, you can, you can go online and you can like write Mm -hmm. this fic without even leaving your bed and Mm -hmm. other people comment on it and like you're Mm -hmm. still a part of something and it just makes you feel a little like more human, I guess, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. That was like Harry Potter for me in high school where I was... Like, I would read so much, and I, w- I didn't, like, participate, but, like, I remember, like, oh, it was always there for me mm-hmm. when I wanted to read something. Um, mm-hmm. And then coming back to, like, like fan fiction, like, as an adult was, like, you know, that sense of community and not feeling alone. Like, I'm reading this, but also, like, 10,000 other people are reading it at the same time, and it, it would, yep. like, blow my mind about, like, just like the shared experience and like mm-hmm. the fun and like I made so many great friends and I felt like like it really like boosted my confidence like not only as a writer but like as a person mm-hmm. um yeah. just because like I was so depressed like I had gone through like a lot of major changes in my life and had this terrible breakup and like I was like oh, I'm never gonna be happy again um and it was like kind of like the worst depression spirals that I've ever had and I had a lot of anxiety and I didn't know how to cope and it became to the point where like I literally did not leave my house for like you know just like except to do basic things but I didn't have any reason to I didn't want to see any like of my old friends um didn't want to make any new friends but I started to make friends through fandom um so it started with like betas and critique partners and like friends that would turn into like these like long group chats and like friends that have become like some of the like the most dear people to me in the world and like there was, I remember there was a time, there was like a local um, convention in my town and I remember seeing about it. And that day I was like, oh, I could, I could go to this. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of like on the spur of the moment was like, okay, I'll, I'll go to this. And I remember like driving to this convention, <laughs> like, what am I doing? Showing up to this random, like. Uh, local like convention specifically for this <laughs> show random show and then like but it was like kind of that first step to opening the door to like feeling like a human person again because mm-hmm. I had like shut out like social contact for so long thinking because like oh I don't deserve to have friends I don't deserve to be happy all of this stuff where like and then me going to this convention and like talking to people like 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 actually interacting with people and then um I actually got to meet some of my friends in person for the first time. And that was like really incredible. And then just like, Oh, like, wait, you also live in my city. We could actually hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Instant friends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I met a whole lot of new people that I, I didn't know before. Um, And it was just like, I think fandom provides a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for people to like, 
create um, and create these kind of relationships and like not only on a social level, but just like, be, you know, it feels good to be a part of something and it feels good to like, you know, whether you're a creator or a cheerleader or, or a reader or like a gift set maker or, or artist or any, any, like every person who's just like there, you know, it's like that feeling of like going to a concert and you're like, you know, you can listen to the music at home and you have this one experience and you go to a concert and like the band is playing the song and everybody else, like 10,000 other people are singing along with you. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, it's like, and then like when I went to like Comic-Con for the first time, I was just like, whoa, there's so many nerds here. I love it. It's it's like, oh my gosh, is is this what coming home feels like? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I went to San Diego Comic-Con for the first time in like, maybe it was 2014. Maybe it was 2015 2014 I don't know but like I went with like my fandom friends and then we all like we did nerdy things and like we like sat in line for hall h and then like it was just like a constant like nerd like extravaganza where we were like oh my gosh like I love this thing and also like hundreds of thousands of other people love this thing and it's just very like validating it really is and it's really magical too in like that that same exact like sense because like you're in this crowd of people and like you are literally no one here but you don't feel alone which is so much different than like I used to live in New York City and it's just so crowded all the time and there are so many people and like I have never felt like more I I have never felt lesser than nothing in my life because it just I was just another cog in the wheel but going to like a comic-con or like a concert or something it's just like it feels different because you're not just another no one it's like oh this is like my this this is like my home is this your home too you know let's 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 talk about Mm -hmm. this in line and you end up making so many friends while like waiting in line for hall h or or like waiting in line at dragon con outside (laughs) in the like humid stuffy heat it's fine i'm fine with that But yeah, it's just, it's... It's amazing. It really is. Yeah, fandom definitely, like, I think being a part of fandom has, like, saved my life so many times. Mm -hmm. And, like, the power in, like, just seeing that connection through others, like, it's such a, a real thing when you see people who can't be themselves at home or like you know in the physical realm but like you know it's it was like the first time that I saw like discussions about like being demi or like Mm -hmm. discussions of like aromanticisms and asexuality that were like very like nuanced and interesting in a way that I was like oh like oh a lot of these feelings like even just like being queer and like like, like as a teenager like reading Harry Potter fic I'm like oh wait like Sirius and Remus are in love I'm like oh wait oh, okay, like, that makes sense. Yeah, but like, also, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, fanfic is is where I, I realized, like, what asexuality was. And, I, like, when I was in high school, I was like, oh, I'm... I, I'm I'm not broken. Like this is something that oh. people can be, and it was just it was very validating because I'm from a town in like the heart of the South, and it's it's a trip. But like you you find your people and your place, and you realize that you are 
that you are not like broken and you're not you're not something less than you are mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. you're different and queer and proud and wonderful mm-hmm. and special and it's just I don't know fandom has, has saved my life so many times and like told me that I am worthy and wonderful mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. one of those things that I can't accurately describe yeah it's amazing because it's a moment when you're like oh I see you mm-hmm. and you are real and you are important and you're not broken like me getting to say like oh I'm queer like this is like I'm attracted to multiple genders I can like Mm -hmm. feel this and then like all like and then like learning about like aromanticism and like so I'm more on like the demi side of like of being like demi romantic and like have just so just in case people don't know what that is can you describe that Thank you. I know, but <laughs> some, some people that. don't. Yeah. Um, so, like, romantic attraction is like, oh gosh, there's a lot here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> romantic attraction is different from sexual attraction. Right. Yeah, like, I'm a demi-romantic asexual. So, like, you can have, like, they are two separate things. And demi-romanticism is basically, like, your comfort level will, like, like romanticism is like your comfort level like to someone and like how how far you want to let them into your life and how much you want to care about them is that like how you how you would also describe it Carrie I feel like it's more of the lines of like I don't know like and I'm still learning more about where I am and where okay like like with asexuality it's like how and there's so many variations of like how like how much sexual attraction you have Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. a person so I guess there's also like on the romantic side, like how much romantic attraction you have mm-hmm. towards like feeling like this could be a relationship or like having like a partner, but like, like I would want those things, but like as like a teenager or like as a young person starting to date, I would not feel the things that other people would be feeling mm-hmm. and it would take me a very long time. Um, <clears throat> or I would like, have to get would... to know them. Like I don't yeah, just yeah. automatically like, like someone is just, well, um, well, not not like, but like. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I feel more demi, like it would be, because it, it does take me a while to build that, like, oh, like, mm-hmm. oh, I could see this as, I could see this person romantically. Like, I would want them, want to be in a relationship with them. But I, it's not something that I can, I, like, look at a person and know, you know. Right, it's more based on, like, how you interact with them, your their personality. Uh, I, like I feel those like kind of there's things? there's a lot to unpack here. This this could be a whole <laughs> there is a whole another conversation. Um, there's there's a lot of really good like resources on, um, but like Emma in in Not Your Backup is she's like she's in the like aero and and asexual spectrum where she's still defining what it means for her, and so a lot of what she felt in her like the way when I was writing it, it felt very personal to me because she would have all these like anxieties and insecurities about being in a relationship because she felt like that had so much expectation about what it, what it would entail of her. Like, would he want to have sex? Like, would, would he want to do all these things that were like specifically like boyfriend, girlfriend, but like, Mm -hmm. could she do that? And she had never, like, been able to do that before. Or, like, by the time she felt ready to do that, it was, it was, but, and then I kind of explored it in the character, but. Sure. So it's complicated, is the It answer. is complicated, <laughs> which is good to, when you, when yeah, you say, like, it's, it, it's a spectrum, 
that like, yeah. you know, however you're feeling, um, you know, I, I always say that like, there's no like, wherever you are on that spectrum, you're valid, you know, you're not broken, mm-hmm. however you're feeling and however you you are however you identify and how and if that changes too that's valid too right Mm -hmm. yeah it's i think people expect themselves to stay the same all the like their entire life and that's not necessarily true yeah you don't like find a box and just sit in it for the rest of your life (laughs) like some people do but right um but like you don't have to you can be a hermit crab and hop from shell to shell if you want to (laughs) you can create new boxes or like build a fort i don't know or just don't be in a box at all. Like, usually um, when someone asks me what my sexuality is, I just say I'm queer. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's a nice, like, for me, it's a nice overall umbrella term that a lot mm-hmm. of people understand. And, mm-hmm. like, um, like you just, like, heard, it's, like, really hard to, to, to describe, like, to be romanticism and, like, asexuality. Because, like, a lot of people have different feelings about it. And... Right. Yeah, and it means different things Things to different different people. people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. So, like, some people are, like, completely, like, romance repulsed, or, like, and some people are, like, oh, yeah, like, I could see myself in a relationship, or, like, some Mm -hmm. people are, like, you know, and and same with sex, like, some people are, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm ace, but I like sex, but I have very specific, I don't know, and some people don't like sex, or they don't like cuddles, or they don't like kissing, or some people do, Mm -hmm. like, it's, there's... There's a lot. There's a lot yeah. of there's a smorgasbord. Is, yeah, yeah. I really, I really love the the word queer too. I describe myself as like I'm bisexual. I'm also queer. Like there's a lot of room in there for. I love that the the word is inclusive enough to like describe everything that encompasses my identity without mm-hmm. yeah you know even as like I'm learning and as it's changing and like attraction is so weird. <laughs> Attraction is really like weird. Attraction is weird. <laughs> like, like, I, like, I am not attracted to to Chris um, to Chris Evans usually, but Chris Evans in a sweater just mm. like, like, why like, does that happen? Okay, Tom Hardy only attracted to him when he's like in a lobster tank and yes! struggling to find the meaning of life. Listen, like when like I'm like oh yeah, oh and then I remember like oh yeah, I am also attracted to like guys. Sometimes. <laughs> and I remember like, oh yeah, like like it was a very different feeling for me because I hadn't thought about it in so long. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this person is attractive. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like me every time I see Ra- R- Rachel Whites, I'm like, oh god, I remember now. Oh. Or, or, or like oh K-Stu, I'm just like, that's oh. the way I like Twilight. She's spectacular. Also, well, K-Stu Rachel has Weiss. become much, oh. I feel like K-Stu has become a lot more attractive as time has gone. That is true. Because she's become more comfortable with herself. She's I think that's so, like, a big part of it. She's like coming into her power and like, yeah. there's this, oh. yeah, there's actually Rachel Weiss in like The Mummy. Was, like, <gasps> yes, Rachel mm, Weiss and Brendan Fraser in The Mummy is just. It was just like, like, <laughs> Yes, like they're so That's attractive, it. <laughs> and it's such a good movie. It's such a good it movie. Is. It's so like solid, and they both like adore each other, and it's like got adventure and mummies, and like, like it's yes, great. there are really bad racial stereotypes. But oh god, caveat. <laughs> <laughs> caveat. <laughs> yes, but it's I yeah, Rachel was yeah yeah they're amazing. Um, but I also I do want to go back to. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to take this away, and we're just going to talk about hot people. Anne Hathaway. No. Oh, my God, Anne Hathaway. Don't get me started on Anne Hathaway. No. Oh. Um, 
You know what I don't find attractive? Depression. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, Depression could be like uh like Jessica Rabbit and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Um, so I actually wanted to talk about the actual, like, process of writing, because... Oh, I thought you were going to say like the actual s- process of depression, and I'm just like, listen. <laughs> In your expert opinion... Um, <laughs> Stage one. I'm in my blanket fort. <laughs> I am a cozy burrito. <laughs> I watched an entire season of Supernatural in one day. No, I've, I've definitely done that. No, it was that's how I watched it for the first time. I like, yeah, the entirety yeah. of it. You are a just, cozy just burrito just, just watching Supernatural. Yep, it was it was that and uh, soup. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sorry, <laughs> as you were saying, you're trying so hard to railroad before. us back onto. <laughs> Depression. Yes, we're still talking. Wait, no, we're not talking no, about depression. We're talking about writing. We're talking about writing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it it all tied together. I swear. Okay, okay. We're gonna, we're gonna come back to the blanket burrito. <laughs> um. So. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's definitely gonna stay in there. Oh um, no. Okay, I snort too um, when I laugh. Like, and it gets, like, up your nose. And then it's, it's so funny. That, like, okay, terrible. writing, writing. writing. How, does, how, you, how does it happen? I don't uh, know yet. <laughs> Still actually, you said, you said that you like writing, but you don't like writing all the time, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> do you find that, like, your writing or your inspiration... Uh, or your producti- productivity, like, is kind of, like, interacts with your mental health in both ways, you know? Ooh, Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, I get most of my... So, so the longer I'm on deadline for something, the worse mm-hmm. my mental health becomes. Every single time. It it doesn't matter if it's, like, for line edits or copy edits or, like, when I have to rewrite a manuscript. Like, at the beginning, I am pretty healthy and good. And by the end, I have to take a week off and just burrito myself into my room and not do anything. Because that's the way my brain ends up working. It, it like, uses up all the happy and then it just stops. <laughs> oh. And it is the worst. And I've tried everything to to like to like keep that from happening and it's just like no matter what I do like once I get to like the end of a journey I just I feel so sad all the time it it it, it never it's just there there's no way to like not feel sad at the end for me because I'm saying goodbye to to like these characters that I've been with for like 70,000 words and I'm happy for them because they usually get a happy ending because I'm not a monster <laughs> but um but by then like I have like put in like 10 hour days because usually when I have to rewrite something they give me like 2 weeks to do it. <laughs> oh my. So and so like I I've been, I work like 10 hour days and I get almost no sleep because when I'm not writing I am thinking about writing because my brain like doesn't know how to shut itself off. Um, so, like, by the end of the process, I am always, like, in a really bad mental space. 
And so, like, I, like, realize that every single time I get to the end of a project because I always, like, schedule a week off and I always, like, do things to, to like, get me back on track. I always, like, you know, treat myself and take care of myself. I play video games. I read books. Um, I hang out with friends. So, like, I, like, know how to how to like come back from like the end sads but yeah it's it's not easy and i end up getting my best work done when i'm really depressed which is oh gosh <laughs> which is not the not the best thing to talk about on a podcast when you're promoting <laughs> mental health saying that no i write best when i'm really sad um no it's just like it's just really weird my brain is really weird and i do not recommend it <laughs> well i mean Carrie wrote the most when she was depressed too, right? Yeah, I think there was there's a lot of I can definitely see I don't know if it was easier or harder. It was I feel like it was a combination of like having the time mm-hmm. and mm. in that space where I was working these like jobs and I was like that was my only outlet of like right anything fun. Um but you know there are times like you know since since then and fan fiction like there's definitely times when i'm like oh i can't write because i'm too depressed or am i depressed because i can't write or yeah, like you same. know it's a circle where a yeah. lot of my i would place this like value upon my like i think it's as a creative person you tend to like judge yourself based on how much you create yeah and then you mm-hmm. tie your sense of sense self-worth to your productivity and so i i'm guilty of doing that where i'm like oh i didn't write anything today i'm terrible and then i would have to try to be like what I've learned is that like, and I'm still learning it because it's not easy to say, like, I have to be gentle to myself and I have to be like, oh, you did your best because that's what I would say to my friend. Like if I, if my best friend said to me like, oh, I'm a terrible person because I didn't write today. I'm like, no, you're amazing. You're beautiful. And I love you. And you're, you're, you're doing your best. And so I try, mm-hmm. I'm trying to treat myself better in terms of like writing and cause like creativity, it is hard because like, you're not you don't always have that spark no you you don't and you have Mm -hmm. to recognize that like you need time to recharge and you need time to like just be and do things and I think about the time like oh you wasted like you know a month of your life watching tv and like but like it's not and I think back and like (laughs) right like well yeah, but a lot of it's just like I was experiencing stories mm-hmm. and I was like living yep. in that specific way. And I don't and like every part of writing, there's there's nothing that's wasted. Like there's this amazing uh, quote about like sourdough bread or like if you're baking mm-hmm. um, everything like there's no such thing as wasted, wasted effort because everything that you make goes into like not only your skill and like how, what you learn, but like all the yeast and the bacteria and the air, it just adds more. And so that just makes your next loaf better because you're like everything that you're creating, you're creating like, you know, the microbes in the air and like all of this stuff, like you're baking and like it makes your next next batch better. So as a writer, you're like doing these drabbles and snippets and you're like, oh, I had to cut 10,000 words out of my manuscript. But like that act of doing it is not wasted. Yeah. And like usually you, you just paste it into a different word document and you reuse it later. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
yeah, it's just like like you said, it's just like with um with like creativity, you there there are days when you can write and days when you can't. And like when I say that like my me- my mental health like goes downhill when I'm like writing a novel in a certain amount of time mm-hmm. is because I have to force myself every day to write like a certain amount of words or like meet a certain word count because like I don't have I don't have the ability to have more time. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. I am writing yeah. against a clock that that I can't push back any further. And so mm-hmm, if I right. don't meet this deadline, then, like, everything else is just, like, you know, terrible. But, like, but as a career writer, you, like, y- you learn how to handle that, though. And so, like, when I recognize that my mental health is going to be terrible after I finish this book, like, you, mm-hmm. you like, learn how to cope with that and to, like, bounce mm-hmm. back and to, and to, you know, treat yourself later. And yeah. to like restore your creative juices and your cre- and your cre- creativity for the next project, which mm-hmm. is always just like a week away every single time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's, it's hard because like creativity and like I think creativity and mental health are so tied together mm-hmm. for me, especially. Um, so my particular like I've I've had like depression. I've had major depression. I have a lot of anxiety. I'm also bipolar. So that's kind of been like my, my like experience with mental health has been in mm-hmm. these ebbs and flows of extreme states. And I haven't mm-hmm. had like, like manic mania to me is like, it's, it can be anything from like heightened energy to like, like huge bursts of creativity, but like, and like on the extreme side, like, you know, to everything from like, loss of memory and like doing very weird things and like your thought process is so creative and so fast that like you jump from like a to f to x to z and like Mm -hmm. some like i think it's hard because like sometimes i can tap into that creativity and i know there are like bipolar writers who can utilize like when they're manic and like can write a lot and it's hard for me because like a lot of my struggle with mental health has been like being stable and like recognizing when if I'm you know just like a lot of my self-care as an adult has been like recognizing um how dangerous that is for me and like not to let it get to that stage where I don't know what I'm doing um Mm -hmm. I remember like probably like the worst episodes I've had like like in high school I I had this like this state when like I would talk and people were like I have no idea what you're saying (laughs) like it's like my thought process was just not on the same wavelength anymore and I Mm -hmm. wasn't like a cognizant human being and then um I've had like a few breaks in college but like since um like I haven't had like a really intense manic episode for like eight years um but Mm -hmm. I get like these smaller bursts but they're very scary to me because I don't want it to become this like huge thing um Mm -hmm. and I don't want to like lose control of my brain so yeah I have a very weird relationship with my own creativity because on one hand I like I know that I'm like very creative during those times and I can like Uh I think I once wrote like 12,000 words in like eight hours holy shit and they were like amazing words too like they weren't just like gibberish like I I like outlined this whole like thing and like I like did all this like really productive stuff but like it also came at the cost of like like then I was like passed out for like three days I don't know like 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 the recovery process was like not sustainable for me. 
Was there like a loss of control you felt at no, all? Like or? that was just like a, a like you know like I wasn't sleeping and then like to come back to like sleeping normally and like yes it was great but it was also not like 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 Ash said like okay I had to recover from that where like and then right. I wasn't producing anything like the next day right um so I'm trying to like I think I'm learning more like how to deal with my own mental illness and like how do I write in a way that's like good for me and mm-hmm. um feeling good and it, it's been hard it's been hard to write when I'm depressed just because, like, you know, how I feel about my writing, how I feel about the book, all plays into it. But it comes down to, like, you know, when you're on deadline, you have to, you have to do it. Yeah, so you have to you, do it. There's, a, there's so, no <laughs> no to this. You have to do it. <laughs> so you just got to, like, make yourself do it. And um, it is your job. And it's hard. And there's so much about it that, like, but it's also exciting. Like, it is. Like, it's like. You pull it off and you're like, oh, wow. It's like, I did it. That's so cool. Like, I never want to do that again, but I just started a new project. (laughs) You feel like a tight rubber band for like the next four days, or at least like I do, because I have really bad anxiety um, that I like, that I am treated for. Um, And I have like panic attacks uh, a lot Mm -hmm. at conventions sometimes. So if you, so if if you ever see me like duck out somewhere, it's because I'm having a panic attack, guys. (laughs) But, um. But, but yeah, it's just, like, after I finish something, I have, like, I, I feel like this, like, I feel like I'm this, like, tight, nervous, like, ball of, like, depressed, anxious energy. And I feel like I'm just, mm-hmm. like, a trench coat full of feral ferrets. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time, I feel like I'm just pretending to be a human being. Yeah. Like, what's, what is my brain doing? You know, I'm, like, a pile of, like, nerves and anxieties and neurons that, like, like, serotonin. What's that? Oh, Sarah Tolan, I've never, she she hasn't (laughs) called me in years. I, well, I, I visit her at the pharmacy every every couple of weeks. So, serotonin. Oh, I swallow her daily. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh my god. Someone's having a good time. Um, all right. So anyway, um, so yeah, that. Thank you for sharing those stories. By the way, I really appreciate you guys being vulnerable because hey. i'm sure people who are listening have felt the same way or want to know what that experience is like or um have don't even have never realized what that experience could be like um and you're opening up their eyes so thank you so much for sharing it's not always healthy oh, but you're you. not alone yeah like, yes. yeah <laughs> i remember that being very like important like mental health wise too is that i thought i was the only one who felt like this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a broken human being because my brain doesn't know how to do things that other people know how to do. Like, why is everyone so happy? Why is everyone, like, just living their life? And, like, like no one is freaking out about the things I was freaking out about. And then when my brain would do really weird things and, um, like, I would be like, oh, like, the first time I, like, met someone else who was bipolar – And we started talking about like, oh, do you do this? Do the, like, has this ever happened to you? And like, knowing that like other people, like thousands and like, I think, I don't remember what the statistic is, but it's pretty high. There's like millions of people who, who, Mm -hmm. who are bipolar and they have, you know, they have these moods and this is how they like, when it happens, how, how they can handle it. And like, when, when I was, when I had my first really terrible depression episode and then like a manic episode, I was like, oh my God, like, I'm never going to have 
a life. I can never do anything. I won't ever be able to have a job. I won't ever be able to like be happy. And that was an assumption I made based on like the media that was like, oh my God, all crazy people are not functional. And like, like the media does all these scary things about like, yeah. And so, um, meeting other people, reading a lot of literature, knowing like what Ash said about like, you're not alone, knowing other people go through Mm -hmm. this too. And it's, it's a normal thing that like, it's, it's, I feel like it's hard enough to exist in the real world. And when we have, you know, if you're neurotypical or like, if you have, if you have qualifiers to your stats, I don't know. That's a good way to put it. Um, That like, you know, you're rolling with different dice and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's and like, okay. And that's also where fandom comes in too, because it's like, it's easier to find other people who are also rolling with different kinds of dice and like mm-hmm. in different, in, in, in fandoms, because like, mm-hmm. you're not just secluded to like your small little town where like mm-hmm. no one is talking about their issues. Like you mm-hmm. are, you are part of a community. So mm-hmm. full circle yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Depression like shrinks your world where you're like, you're the only person who feels this way. There's nothing beyond this blanket burrito. Everything else is terrible. But, like, there's a world. Outside your apartment, there's a pigeon squashed <laughs> on the street. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Avenue Q. It just it just hops into my head sometimes. Uh, all right. So I think that's a good place to end it if you think, if you guys agree. Do you, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? Uh... When when are you <laughs> planning to air this? <laughs> Sunday. Oh, okay. So I guess it's relevant to the now. Um, I guess we can talk about like stuff that's coming up for us. Yeah, I was gonna ask next. What do you have anything exciting coming up? Um, I don't have anything exciting coming up, but like. In the near future, but in the far future, I have two books coming out in 2020. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. I'm so excited. Um, The first one (laughs) is Bookish and the Beast comes out in the summer. It's fantastic. It's the third and maybe final Once Upon a Con series book. So um, Mm -hmm. definitely check it out. And also in the fall, um, Among the Beasts and Briars is coming out from Balzer and Bray. And it's just, this is like... My fucky fox book. I just, I love it so much. This is like, this is the book of my dreams. I just, oh my God. it is everything that I ever wanted. It's about a royal gardener's daughter who has to go into this enchanted, cursed wood to save her kingdom, and her only ally is a is a boy. It, well, is a fox turned boy, <laughs> and he is very salty. <laughs> <laughs> and they're oh, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, my uh, my pitch for this book is, is always um, two idiots hiking in a woods trying not to kiss each other. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. I love it. I love so it. I am, I'm very excited. What about you, Carrie? Um, I have a book. Um, I'm part of an anthology called Out Now, Queer We Go Again. Um, <laughs> I have a short story in that it's out in May. I'm going to say May. Okay. Um, um, my, my short story is about two girls who meet in woodshop class, and <gasps> it's, so it's in good. high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's high school. There's shenanigans. It's real cute. I also didn't know that we could write like like fantasy or contemporary or like 
<laughs> it's so funny because like oh they're like oh it's only contemporary i was like oh i can't put magic or anything in this okay so i had to think really hard about like the kind of story i want to write and then when they announced it and like all these other people were like oh yeah this is my story and then caleb's got like vampires and oh. like i'm just like what what's happening here i didn't know i could have vampires <laughs> Um, oh, I but, wanted you to write uh, vampires. <laughs> I actually started to write like this story about this ace girl in space, and she's <gasps> on Mars. So it's and I was gonna call it Ace in Space oh, or Space my Ace. God, <laughs> nice. I want um, that anyway. Can you just write that for me? <laughs> <laughs> I have to finish it. But yes, I'll finish it. Um, so that. That short story in that, and the, all the other stories in the anthology are going to be great. Um, like Julian Winters is in it, um, Tara Sims in it, like a whole bunch of cool, really cool people. That'll be out in the spring. Um, Not Your Hero, which is the next in the Sidekick Squad series, will have a date announced when it's ready. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, that's a tease. <laughs> um, and then I have other stuff that I can't talk about. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> talk about a tease. <laughs> can, can, can you give us like any hints um, is that a no I don't, I don't know there's one has to do with video games uh, um, yes <laughs> like you're writing for a video game no uh, <laughs> well, listen this isn't 20 questions we can't figure this one out <laughs> um, oh wait I also write uh, Ben 10 I've, oh yes graphic yes. novels there's there's a bunch of them they're real fun um the first one's about finding bigfoot and then the second one yeah they go undercover at a science camp and then um they're so adorable i love them thank you and then gwen gets a mecha suit and punches monsters amazing i don't know if they release any info about the next ones yet so that's all i will say about those <laughs> <laughs> okay um so where can listeners find you uh on social media you can uh, find me um, at Ash Poston on Twitter and underscore Ash Poston on Instagram because some asshole is squatting on my name. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm also on TikTok, but you're just going to have to find me. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. I'm going to look for you. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> I will. Carrie? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at C-B-L-E-E underscore C-B-L-E-E. And I have a website that's cb-lee.com. Um, I think that, yeah, those are all my things. Those, wait. Nope, those are the things. You don't have a secret TikTok? <laughs> okay. I don't, like, I, I don't know if anything, like, like, like Vine was such a, a moment. Like, yeah, but TikTok is the, the moment Vine. now. TikTok is the new yeah. moment. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm cool enough. It would just oh, be like videos oh. of me being like, uh, that's fine. That's, that's so cute, though. Uh, she was a, she was just dancing a little bit for for all you uh, listeners. <laughs> Listen, um. it has my seal of approval. Okay. <laughs> she, Carrie's holding a seal. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's where you can find me on the internet. And um, sweet, yeah, you can talk to me on the internet through those memes. Yay. <laughs> Um, for a second, when you said your your Twitter handle, I was like, "No, it's trashly posted," but that's not that's in your that's my that's my like handle name. Handle. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not my handle. It's just my name because I'm just a trash human who has <laughs> trash takes. Raylo forever. 
<laughs> oh my god. I was just having an argument with Danielle about that. No. Oh boy. Please no one um, hate me. I love everyone. I, I couldn't give less of a shit. You love Raylo as much as you want. I mean, um, I, I love Finn and Poe more, but I hate J.J. Abrams yeah. for for being a coward. Let's <laughs> be, be make it gay, you coward. Can't make it they gay. They love each other. <laughs> you solve this love triangle with polyamory. Poe has two hands. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was... It's just... <laughs> I, I mean, and a mouth. Ray, okay, so Ray, Finn, um, and Poe. Oh my God, and and Ben Solo. It's it's a it, it's a that's a that's a square. It's a square. That's amazing. <laughs> they have enough holes, I think. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe, review, and rate us. It's the easiest way to support us. This week's review comes from. <laughs> Um, <laughs> from Ashley snorting. I, just, um, I like the triangle. Oh my god, you guys! This is the most NC seventeen our podcast has ever been. I feel like it's still rated T. There was only one fuck, maybe. There, no, were, there, there were three fucks. There were three fucks. Okay, now there, there's been five. There's a lot of descriptions that we're getting a little too close to NC-17. Anyway, this week's review comes from Ross Girl. Um, I like this review. <laughs> oh my god, I actually can't stop laughing. Um... <laughs> You knew there was a reason you're drawn to stories about good versus evil, or superpowered people, or worlds beyond our own. A lot of times, it's something inside us that just can't be expressed or exercised by regular human stories. While this is the podcast that explores that connection with insight, empathy, and wisdom. God, stop. Stop it. Um. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, if you want to chat with us... Uh, about the episode, our show, social medias are Fandom and Wellness on Instagram, Fandom and Wellness on Facebook, and Fandom Wellness on Twitter. You can find me at The Box of Shadows, Arkita at Classy Rebel Design, and Danielle at Little Petal, all on Instagram. And if you want bonus content, uh, you can join our fandom family at patreon.com slash fandom and wellness for Patreon exclusive geek sessions. Carrie and Ashley, do you want to say our sign off? Sure. <laughs> How did you keep a straight face through that? I, I don't think I can't do anything straight. So. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys know what the sign off is? Be kind. Rewind. <laughs> no. <laughs> Be kind. And take no shit. Amazing. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs>